0: All right, all
1: right, all right. Welcome in to another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We just ended November. Hockey for the Kings. What are the storylines coming to December? How did the month fare for us? Return of the King is the fanatic for today around the Pacific. PLD impressions and the big surprise that Joe tweeted out earlier. Get in the chat, like and subscribe. Let's go. So, uh, well, welcome in, guys. Welcome in the chat. Uh, Russ, you mic muted here there, buddy. Sorry, pause. <laughs> here we got some uh, Kings hockey to talk about. Thank you guys for coming in. Early risers in, like straight after I posted the video was going on, you coming in here at, at 1.27 p.m. So, getting an early start there. Shrink master coming in. Let's talk some LA Kings hockey. Go Kings. Go. <laughs> Give him that party rock sign card it carter scores let's go richard coming in here go kings go let's get this fucking party started shake master they're late again let's go hey i have a reason for that sure the men are gonna show yeah we are here we're ready to go hold 92 what's up guys so we're talking about it trying to get everything set up normally we get on a little bit early uh and talk about how this thing's gonna go but uh there was a car accident right in front of me, literally 200 yards away from my house. Car flipped over. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna call myself a hero like Joe is, but you know, <laughs> pry the sunroof door open to get the guy out uh, of the vehicle. Talked, I had to talk to uh, PD and fire department and everybody and their mom, insurance companies, all this kind of stuff like that to uh, get the story straight because I was the first man on the scene. Uh, but yeah, that's what I was late, and so we didn't really have a chance to huddle up before this episode. So apologize for being late but we have a great episode in the store uh, i told the boys that i was stoked about this episode so we are ready to go we Got some surprises great content but before we get into all that jp what's going
2: on buddy you know what randon i'm doing pretty good i i for those if you can't tell i'm a little hoarse right now i've been battling a, a head cold and a cough so apologies in advance but i'll try to have a quick trigger on that mute button today um but otherwise not too bad Brandon, I was telling you before high school team's off to a good start three0 to start the season so we're buzzing a couple of big ones coming up this weekend so off to a good start there and uh you know Kings are you know tough loss the other night but uh, that's okay overall good start for them too so Russ how you doing
0: yeah I'm doing good doing good kind of getting used to this uh one game a week schedule I feel like I'm, I'm rooting for another football team uh I guess it's better than my other football team I root for. That just gives me <laughs> constant depression. But yeah, I'm doing good. Kings are Kings are playing well besides like you mentioned that last uh that loss uh, last night. But uh yeah, it's been overall pretty good. I do, I'll
2: I'll say this though, I'll say this though, that this like little break here, like of breaks between games has allowed me to get caught up on because i I remember i told you i was going to tackle that zone entry project and i had to go back like probably 15 games to start the season so i'm i'm good to go now so that's helped me get caught up with the track so that's been good (laughs) you
1: know some breaks right now but we are we have three games in hand so they're going to make that up we're gonna have some games to get back in hand but you know what i think we're gonna get started off here with a surprise and you know russ i can't help to notice you know you're you're pretty good fashionista there you got the, the daughter's hat you got the nice little overshirt but that bright white shirt underneath you, what's going on with that, buddy?
0: Yeah, it's a uh, hockey royalty's got some clothing that we want to do. Yeah, a <laughs> right. little Trevor Moore action. Yeah, we thought we'd uh, spice it up a bit. You know, we've been talking about, had a lot of people reach out to me saying they want to get some uh, hockey royalty shirts and kind of help us out a little bit. So we thought we'd put together a nice little design kind of appre- show our appreciation for the hometown kid that is Trevor Moore. So shirts are going to go on sale. They're going to start at $30 a shirt. Um Shipping is free. We're, we're trying to figure out all this. So it's kind of our first dive into clothing, right? We tried yeah. to do it a little bit at the beginning when we first started the brand. Didn't really, didn't really go too well, but we're trying to figure out some new things. But yeah, shirt, shirts came out great and uh, we're excited to show them off. So yeah, looking forward to uh, shipping them on out. So yeah, so it's
1: it's uh what we did is did the California logo obviously uh, with the king crown and the number twelve uh, right where the Thousand Oaks is supposed to be. So you know we're not we're not just throwing the team more face in your in in your grill. Uh, we're you know we're doing this for Kings fans. We're doing it for their for people who love this team and know what's going on. And then we got the hockey royalty. You know you got to know where you listen to your podcast. Get your Kings news at the top. Uh, we are doing uh we are doing small to XL. I understand. Uh, huh. I understand already people here. Hey, what's uh, XL? What is this? The 80s and all this kind of stuff like that I get it. You know, I, I love my beer and my cheese too Uh, we we're trying to figure this out. They charge us per size. They charge us all this kind of stuff So, hey, we're just trying to get this in here. This might not be the last Uh iteration of this shirt. We got definitely Um, you know ways to go about it. Uh, we will talk about maybe special orders, you know, as far as Uh, you know trap around before XL here we, you know, we'll just talk about special orders in the future, but we're really trying to just kind of see where this lands, how easy it is to order this kind of stuff in mass bulk. Because um, right now, like I ordered a shirt off this third party site and they're like, oh, we make it to order and I'm waiting two months for my shirt. Right. Yeah. So we don't want that to happen. We want to have this all up front. And so this is kind of just like our dip in the toe or mm-hmm. our tip of the toe into the pool of of the fashion stuff. So I get it. I get a trapper, you know, small to XL. What is this? The eighties. You know, I, I, you know, I'm an, I'm an I'm XL to XL man myself. Um, you know, I got to get on the trip. I ice fast to get into this XL, but that's what we're starting with right now. Uh, I understand if that doesn't fit where you're at, but 30 bucks, that includes shipping, men's size, small to XL orders. You're going to go to contact at hockeyroyalty.com. So what you're going to do is order through the email. Russ is going to verify that we have those shirts available he will respond to you saying that that is a valid order and then you will venmo hockey royalty at hockey royalty further in the in the process maybe we get a website going make it easier for you guys but right now this is what we got going on so please bear with us we're trying to get you guys additional stuff besides the podcast uh, going on so i appreciate you guys. uh I mean, we got the aliens coming here with the feedback here but we appreciate you guys listening we're trying to get
0: some extra stuff going here for you so uh, yeah we'll have, we'll have more details on, on our site and we'll tweet it out and everything like that but yeah like like random said this is kind of our first day. uh we tried it on uh third-party sites before and it was it was whatever um i didn't really like the quality so you know what i went out find my found my own screen printer down down the road here good designer uh we'll see what goes on and maybe we'll have some more shirts coming out to you soon
2: and what better way to start it off with the trevor moore shirt right right I, I think that, that it's very fitting. Um for the start to the season, he's had I I may or may not have had some input in trying to have the 12 be like a little bit more bold, just to go back to my bold prediction for Trevor Moore. Maybe, maybe not. But either way, really excited. The shirts look great. Love the the uh the the foreign blue and gold uh combo as well. So I'm I know I'm fired up about it. Yeah,
1: Joe wanted his entire uh, prediction stat line the <laughs> shirt,
2: so we had to we had to tone him down a
1: little bit. And hey, like let's make this a little bit more secretive. Uh, if anybody didn't hear, uh, you know, we got the shirts available. Obviously, you see it on the screen. Appreciate you guys coming here, Jason Wintergreen. Uh, been waiting since I saw the mock. Yeah, well, he got, he got a little sneak peek. Uh, they're here, so get on contact at royalty.com to order your shirts there. J J La. I have some killer biceps like that. I can't see it on the videos. So maybe I can fit in one. Hey, you know what? Stretch them out, you know, get it going. We'll cut a little seam in it. You know, your muscles know no bounds. Leeb coming in here. Hey, guys, Jason saying, what's up, leave? And then they had a little man crush thing going on for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, also,
0: depend, depending on the demand, uh, like, like we said, it's small, extra large is what we start off with. Depending on demand, we'll we'll order more. We'll, we'll get bigger sizes, whatever, smaller sizes. It doesn't matter. I mean, this was, like I said, we're doing this with our own money kind of our own investments, to kind of help out the brand, see what we can do with that. But yeah, if the demand is high, we'll, we'll get some more for you guys.
1: Said First run, first run. Absolutely. And then maybe we go some, you know, you know, silver and gold and all that kind of stuff like that. We'll get other stuff going on. We got some yeah. really
0: cool designs in the works, by the way, some really, really cool ones.
1: Everybody so knows started. I want to get a Clark train t-shirt out there. Eventually. <laughs> uh, you get a full conductor's outfit that I can wear on screen at any time. So um, that's what we're going on. Again, solid, sorry for the technical difficulties. I don't know what's going on here uh, with with uh, the, the connection. So I apologize for that. But let's get straight into it. Big news around the Pacific. So we'll start with around the Pacific here. Zdorov traded from Calgary to uh, Vancouver for a third and a fifth, a future third and a future fifth. Uh, the fifth is going to be the highest fifth uh, that uh, – in that round um, considering that team has multiple fists seems like a cheap price to pay for a defenseman that wanted out already uh, can help a team. Uh, Obviously Vancouver right now, second in the Pacific in points, third in points percentage, which we will talk about uh, going forward, but obviously in the playoff hunt, what do you guys think about this trade uh, going forward for Vancouver? How does this help this team uh, maybe get over the hump or
0: solidify their self in a playoff spot? I like the trade for Vancouver. It's kind of like them, I don't know, making a statement saying that this is for real for them, right? It's always it's always felt like with the Canucks, it's like, okay, well, like it's, what have you done for me lately? It's like a lot of talk, really, looks really good on paper, and then just nothing really come to fruition. I think with this Adoroff trade, it's kind of like, okay, they're making a statement to the league saying like, okay, we're going to start going for this thing, very legit pleft contender. I just, I'm like a little confused by it though, because I feel like, I don't know. You you look at their blue line, you have Tyler Myers, you have Carson Soucy, Ian Cole. There's not a lot of speed back there, and I, I don't know. Maybe Kings don't really have that great of speed on the back end themselves either, but they play a really structured game, and we have talked about that on end. And when you add off to that blue line the Canucks have, I'm just curious to see how that's actually going to flow with that chemistry. Because, I mean, if you look at some of the advanced numbers with the Canucks, They've kind of been a pretty lucky team uh, through the first part of the season. I'm not saying they're gonna, they're not going to make the playoffs. I, I I still think they're they're a playoff team, judging by how the Pacific is looking, and and more importantly how the wild card is looking. Because I mean, it looks like you can just you can make the playoffs with just 90 points, judging by how the season's going so far. So so I think it's it's a little bit of an overreaction to like, oh yeah, they just got like a great player in Zadorov. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player, but definitely improves their
2: team a bit. I, yes, I, I, I'm not like the biggest Zadorov guy, but I think for, for looking at, if I'm a Vancouver fan, I'm really excited about this trade because they hadn't very little beyond the Hughes and Roenick pairing. I'm not that big um, on Cole and, and, and Susie's fine. I know he's hurt right now. He's, he's a fine bottom pair. Zadorov adds a, a different element. Um, I think he's going to slot in nicely on the second pair with Myers. Uh, I, again, don't love Myers either, but I think it's just, it really helps their depth on the blue line. Um, And I think, shoot, I, I think if what this did is them recognizing they, they had a weakness, you know, especially after the Susie loss, they really needed to address that. If they're a team that wanted to stay in this for the duration then they needed to go and make a deal. And, and I thought they did that at a cheap price. Really? Uh, I thought they got a, 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 good, a good middle pair. You know, he's a four, four defenseman, maybe four or five type of defenseman. I think he's like one of these guys. That's probably better than your average bottom pair. Like he'd be a really, really good bottom pair, maybe a lower end middle pair. Um, but again, I think that's perfectly fine for Vancouver. um, I know everybody talks about needing big defensemen, so I guess we just give Vancouver the title now, right? They got Myers and they got Susie and they got um, – now they have Zadorov, so I guess you don't need anything else but big defensemen. So let's just – why do we just wrap the season up, Brandon? What what else do we need to play for? They got the big defensemen.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, they, they, so they got Quinn Hughes. He's top five in the league in points, uh, and that's not defensemen. Yeah. He's top five in points. So they got some puck movers. They got people finally putting the puck in net. Uh, they were a little goal-starved last year as well as not getting goaltending. Um, so they're getting a little bit of goaltending, I mean, in, in this kind of thing. And, hey, as as much as you want to say it's luck or advanced stats or this and that, sometimes people find ways to win, and they're finding ways to win right now. And so I, I think that you look at this team, and last year we were wondering, like, why, why weren't they winning? Like, why weren't they winning? Like, they have all this firepower. They have one of the best forwards in the game. They have Quinn Hughes. They have all these guys. Like, why weren't why weren't they winning? And it was mainly goaltending. And so goaltending's back on, um, and, and 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 it's playing well. So, you know, I'm not crowning them as any sort of uh, cup contender. But when you're throwing third and fifth round picks, I mean, the the third round pick is, you know, I mean, we're gonna have a new president by the time the third round pick is 20 available. 25. So. Yeah, so I mean, like what, what like what are we really talking about here at this point? So it's it's a no it's a no consequence move for Vancouver. If it works out to where they get a solid top four D, it works beneficial for them. If not, it is what it is. Zodoroff gets to go to a place that's in a playoff spot, gets yep. the chance to take a deep breath, uh, and and reevaluate his season. There's really no downside on Vancouver, in my opinion. Calgary probably could have held out longer in the the trade talks and maybe by the deadline got in a second or something like that, maybe it wasn't worth the locker room cancer that he was. Uh, and that's just me saying that because he openly set act, asked for a trade. Generally when a player does that, everybody else knows what's going on and, and, and you see what happens there. So I, like, I'm not crowning anybody, anything it's not really there, but you look at, let's just, let's just wrap this up to the Kings here. like, we all thought that the Kings needed to get a puck moving defenseman in Chikrin. They got Gavrikov and he was the exact player that the Kings needed at that time for the system that they ran. And I'm not hundred percent familiar with Vancouver system, but maybe zadorf is that same type of player that, Hey, he's going to fill a need and he's going to be the type of player that they need. And they have so much firepower up front that they just need the back end to play adequate and block shots for their goaltender. And, and that's it. So in, in, Am I thinking it's a home run move? No. Is it a no consequence move? hundred percent. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing.
2: Yeah. I, I, know, I think the thing with the, with the, um, could they have gotten more at the deadline? I, I wholeheartedly believe that they could have. I just don't know if they could have waited. Like if he got, he's gone public with it. Clearly he's not happy. It may be best just to move on as quick as he can and, and just rip the bandaid off. So I kind of understand that back to Vancouver for a second though. Like I know there's been this constant barrage of like, they're gonna fall PDO, this, this, they're so lucky, they're so lucky, they're so lucky. I mean, yes and no. Like, are they going to play at 120, whatever their pace was, 120 point pace? No, probably not. But like the kings have the sixth highest PDO in the NHL. So are are the Kings gonna fall apart too all of a sudden? What what's going well for Vancouver? What makes me what makes it believable for me, it's their stars are doing the job. Pedersen is scoring there's no reason that that should slow down he's a star Quinn Hughes is producing no reason that that should slow slow down he's a star Thatcher Demko is healthy we've talked about Thatcher Demko on this show for a long time Thatcher Demko is a top 10 goalie in this league when he can actually stay on the ice his issue is staying on the ice he's on the ice he's healthy so when you put all that together then you sprinkle in maybe a little bit of puck luck like Brock Besser is finding the net a bit JT Miller is finding that a bit more their power plays clicking, you start to do some of that, then okay, then you then you jump out to a massively good start. But this team, I again, I, they're real, right? They're real in the sense that they're they're not just going to fall off the face of the earth because PDO says they're going to fall off the face of the earth. They're here, and I think they're going to be they're going to be okay. Carter scores. That's a that's not a dumb question. That's a legit question. And PDO is not a perfect metric. So PDO uh, is a shorthand for quote-unquote luck basically all it does is it adds a team's save percentage and their shooting percentage and generally speaking if you're at the top of that list meaning you're getting all the saves and all your shots are going in more or less so and again but if you have a really good goalie which they have and if you have your stars are performing as stars which they are you might carry a decently high PDO. i think that's conceivable so I, I I'm not, you know, I was down on Vancouver coming into the year, but their stars are playing well. They've got a healthy demco. I'm this is this is a team to to, you know, that you, you got to consider the Vancouver Canucks at this point.
0: It's it's so weird though because it's the same team from last year with even without Bo Horvat too. I mean, you lost a player, a great player in that, and then one of the players that you got in that trade, you just traded away in Bo, Boville. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to see how Rick Tockett has really kind of turned this kind of around for for the Canucks. But I want to turn this to, to Calgary because man, I mean, as much as I love watching the Flames just go up in flames, I mean Zadorov just totally screwed them here. Just yeah. totally screwed them. I mean that demanding a trade at this time, especially when everybody knows you're going to get traded at the deadline, like there you couldn't you couldn't even wait. You had to put out that trade demand and then pretty much force the Flames hand to trade you as opposed to just, okay, like we can just wait to the deadline when everybody's desperate. People know what they need. And now we'll try to get as much as we can in terms in your return. And now all of a sudden you're only getting a third and fifth round pick for a player that probably could have got at least a second round pick. Maybe even a first at the deadline. I mean, damn, if I'm a Flames fan. And especially getting traded to Vancouver, yeah. you have to watch Adoroff play against okay. you guys, and probably I don't know how many more times at to play this season. But now we have to watch him in our own division. Like, dude, I'm pissed if I'm Calgary right now, looking at that return, knowing that's probably. I mean, hopefully they get something better for Hannifin because he's probably the next one out the door. Because if they don't, I mean, I don't know what the. So does this been doing these last two years?
1: Does this smell total rebuild to you? Because it smells total rebuild to me. Usually the first piece for a total rebuild. Is a small chip for nothing, bro, and people are
0: like bro. Why they should have tra- They should have rebuilt when Kachuk demanded he wanted out. They decided that they should have. They decided they want to go for it. I get it. You have a, a fan base that's just like how you gonna how you gonna appease the fan base when you're all two of your star players that you just went to. You had a long playoff run against the battle of Alberta just took place. So you see Edmonton doing pretty well, and then you lose to Edmonton, and all of a sudden you're stuck with. Uh, Kachuk, who wants out, Gaudreau just left, and you get Jonathan Huberdeau in return, Mackenzie Weger. You kind of, you're just like sh- being super desperate. And, and it was a team that you're just trying to fit pieces together that had no chemistry going into the season. And sure enough, they don't make the playoffs. And now they're just looking toward going to rebuild. I think they're a few people like on top of that, you give Huberto eight million, eight years at $10.5 million a year. I mean, I don't know what the Flames have been doing, and then traveling got fired and then he went to Toronto and now he's blowing them up for some reason I don't know it's just I'm loving it because it's a Kings fan I think it's hilarious but yeah I think the flames just kind of routed up I think they need to head to a rebuild fast
1: I think they got plenty of pieces to do that I mean even Huberto could find a location if you take I mean if they wanted to really if they really wanted to sell it like you're, you're talking about a guy who had 100 plus points or close
0: to multiple times like
1: like, you're talking it, about a
0: guy who had hundred plus points playing with Sasha Barkov, He
2: hasn't. He, had that it. that's not that's not that he didn't but play that's with Sasha what,
1: That's very. But, but, sees, but that's I'm saying, but I'm saying though, we'll like if you cut his, if you take fifty percent of that salary, you could easily get a first round pick for having seven years at five million.
0: You're eating fifty. I don't know.
1: You want to go full rebuild? Let's tear down to the studs and let's go full rebuild. Like the, uh, apparently this guy in in the NCAA right now, uh, Cicero or whatever his name is, the number one suspect so, so overall pick. Is is not generational like Bedard, but he's supposedly oh, setting records.
2: Yeah, oh, celebrating. celebrating. Yeah, yeah.
1: He set records. So, like, why wouldn't you just? They're like not going to
2: Well, so so. You so sure?
1: If they sell everything off,
2: they're not that bad. They're and here's the, the thing. So, I, I I don't think, and I I I think it's been talked about. I I don't agree that they should have rebuilt. I disagree with Russ that they should have rebuilt at the time you just went to the division. You just won the division. You took a run in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And if you have, are you capable enough to you go replace Kachuk and Goudreau with Huberto, Weger and Kadri, that is not bad. Now. I don't think it could have, I don't know that you needed to give Huberto a contract like that before he stepped on the ice for you, but the trade itself, I thought they did pretty well. And I, I really don't, think anybody could have foreseen what the hell happened to Jonathan Uberdo. I I don't like I don't think anybody should have and Calgary shouldn't have expected a 100 point player, but to go from that to 50? Yeah. That what hap- what has happened to Uberdo? I, I don't know. There there might need to be a, a book written about what's happened to Uberdo in the Calgary Flames last couple of seasons so they're in it now they're in one you know they're in one now i don't know that this means a total rebuild Brandon. to your question because I, it's tough to do when you've got the the huberdo and Kadri contracts um but I, I i i'd be curious to see where they go i imagine hannafin gets dealt at some point um but it's it's really fascinating to me because they you know they got rid of what was supposed to be the problem and daryl sutter Despite them playing really well under Daryl Sutter, so I don't know that that was actually a problem. I just think some guys don't like guy uh, the hard coach and maybe he wore out his welcome, but it's it's obvious and actually, I think they're hovering around five hundred. I don't I don't think so, they're, so they're
1: only so they're only one point out of a playoff spot.
2: yeah, I don't think it's been like a horrid start to the season for them by any so means they're,
1: so they're nine, ten and three twenty one <clears throat> points. The cracking coyotes predators all have twenty two points. Yeah, the Blues who lead the wild card have twenty three. So they're not out of anything here. It just seems all the teams that I mentioned outside of the Kraken are playing above what we thought. The Kraken are playing a little bit down, and so like it doesn't feel good for Calgary. And so maybe that's why I'm thinking, hey, tear it down to the studs. Uh, you know, it, maybe that's just the A's in me because it's I'm ingrained in my life that we never pay our players. Uh, and uh, but uh, it's it doesn't seem good. Like
2: no, it doesn't. It doesn't, especially when you got If Calgary a was
1: a playoff team right now, if they won the wild card because they're only one team out and the Kings were playing them in the first round, would we even be remotely scared? Like, no, no
2: we, I wouldn't prob- be. Probably not, no. I mean, so, if you're asking me today, no. Um, but, I am asking you today. Yeah, I guess that's true. You are asking me today. But, like, Markstrom's playing better this season. I, I So, I, I wonder if, this, if they'd take this to say we're going to get him out because he wants out, and then let's take a breath Fair. here let's, let's see how these next, this next month goes and see where things kind of shuffle. Like I'm not saying they're going to be buyers by any means as we approach the deadline, but we'll see how things can go. We'll see if things change. Um, but again, I, I, it's not like they're a bottom feeder team. They're, they're in a, they're actually in a probably pretty bad spot because they're kind of in that middle ground and they just sold a piece. So I, I don't know what direction they go in here. Um, but I don't think it's a total rebuild at the moment. I'll, tough to I'll, do I'll
0: say this with the flames, and, and so it's already happened. I mean, you can't go back and redo the Kachuk. I think just yeah. to kind of go back to that real quick is I don't. I think that trade kind of just opened everybody's eyes just how good Matthew Kachuk really is. Yeah. because nobody really understood how much of an impact that player is, has on that. Is game. he
1: the best American player right now?
2: No, I probably would
0: take Eichel over him. Maybe Hughes,
2: but he's yeah, up there. he's he's in the conversation. But I would say I'd he's definitely a, the best American-born player right now. With with Eichel, with Hughes, and Matthews, I'm I'm that's a Matthews. That's,
1: a, that's the only one that yeah I forgot about Matthew. So yeah, those are Matthews those are tough.
2: in tough conversation. I, guys, Trevor Moore. I mean these are this is a tough. Uh, <laughs> Matt Roy conversation. I mean, Real funny. quick, really quick, before we move on from uh, from Calgary, I want to go really just tie up Vancouver. Vancouver, because Russ, I think you made the comment like they're, we're we're going to say that we're for real now. We're going to address our holes, address our needs. Vancouver should trade for Sean Walker. Vancouver should trade for Sean Walker. Put him on the right side next to Zadorov.
1: Philadelphia is doing good with him. They're trying to make the playoffs right now. What are you talking about?
2: They're made the playoffs. <laughs> I
0: don't
2: I'm, know where their PDOs are. I'm, I'm going to be curious.
0: I'm going <laughs> to be curious to see how much worse Calgary is after this trade. Because like like I like I like just gonna mm-hmm. about kind of clowning them a little bit. I don't think this makes them that much worse. If
2: it's like I don't disagree.
0: Ones. I could I probably, would... be surprised if there, there gets to a point where they make a wild card.
2: Because it's if you like... if you if you take Zadorov off of Vancouver right now, it's going to hurt them because they have their are de- not very good. But Vancouver Calgary's I think they're fine still. I think they're fine on the back end. So yeah, I
0: mean we're talking about like you mentioned, we're talking about a middle. Pairing defenseman, if that
2: if on, that. on for Vancouver, yeah.
1: Yeah. And... Leave comes in here and says Hughes, Matthews, then Trevor Moore, Mikey Anderson, Matt Roy, then Kachuk, then Eichel, the Mazat. I, I don't know what even the, the other Kachuk brother is, but I think that list is pretty solid. So um let's let's get into this here because we talked about it at nauseum earlier in the month, and it was brought up on a broadcast for uh what the standings look like at American Thanksgiving and how they relate to, or how they are relevant to, actual playoff sixty percent, right? Well, it's we're past American Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a great holiday and got to spend a lot of time with your family. Uh, but right now, you're looking at it, and there's a stranglehold on the top three, right? Kings are right there at twenty nine points, and we'll talk about points percentage. But there's only three teams in the Pacific that have a positive point percentage. Everybody else is under five hundred. Kraken. Flames, Ducks, Oilers, Sharks. Are the Oilers a team that need to, to break it up? Like is this are they a team that can get out of that that hole? Or because that's what the whole podcast we talked about last time, they have to make a move. They didn't make any moves. They they're still a bottom feeder in this division. Is this just time for them to to blow it up or are they need to just get rid of pieces that aren't McDavid and Dry <laughs> And kind of go from there. Like, how do you feel about the Oilers?
0: I mean, the Oilers did the only thing they could do right now in terms of making the change. And that
2: looks like Russ is frozen. I imagine he's gonna he's gonna talk about. Um, yeah, let's the let's coach. let's
1: answer Troy Miller's question here. I feel like things seem sure. too early. Marker standings don't meet a lot. Well, they do. Statistics say otherwise. Last twenty years, sixty percent of the teams that are in the playoff spot as of Thanksgiving, make the playoffs. That's a pretty high marker. I mean, I'm not a D student, but that's still, a, I mean, you're a betting man, Joe, right? Yep. If you were right now, if you were looking at the playoffs, would you bet the Kings would make the playoffs right now? If you were to give in a bet?
2: The Kings? Yeah. Y- yes, 100%. Would,
1: would, would you bet that the Vegas Golden Knights would make the playoffs? Yes. Would you bet that Vancouver would make the playoffs?
2: Yes. Okay, so. But what I would, I would also bet that Edmonton would make the playoffs. Okay. Well, you probably
1: make some pretty good money
2: there. That's so where I, That's where I thought you were going with that. It's because I think well, they make the playoffs still. So I don't. Okay. I think they're done. Okay. The thing with the Oilers is they do have one, two, three, four, five teams that they would have to leapfrog in order to do so. But when I look at the teams ahead of them, Anaheim, they're not going to buy if anything they sell. I just don't think Seattle has enough. Calgary, I think we've talked about here. They're probably going to be sellers. Arizona's an exciting team, but I don't think they're going to be doing anything too impactful. And like I think Edmonton, who's only five points back in Nashville, I think they can catch Nashville. So there's a lot of teams that get a leapfrog, but I think I think Edmonton.
1: I think their st- goal things are frauds. It's I think Skinner-,
2: Skinner settles in, though. I think Skinner no, settles you, in. No, you keep
1: saying that. I don't. Okay. All right, we'll make a bet
2: right now. Will okay. What's the bet? Yeah.
1: Okay, so we are we already bet another bottle. Let's do a bottle again okay. under under fifty. Okay. I'll say that Edmonton does not make the playoffs, and you get Edmonton makes the
2: playoffs. I say Edmonton makes the playoffs. Yeah, okay. gentlemen's agreement. Gentlemen's agreement. All, All right.
1: right, cheers. There it is. Yes. So I, I just think that there, sometimes dysfunction is dysfunction. The Angels, Los Angeles Angels, right, have two of the best players in baseball. They can't figure it out any year. Sometimes dysfunction is dysfunction, and I I firmly believe. That there is a cancer in that locker room. There's a cancer in that organization. They can't get over the 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 uh, scrutiny that comes with the Canadian market. McDavid, every single interview looks upset. Like he's not like, hey, we're going to get out of this. We're going to fix this. Like it doesn't seem like anybody else in that organization wants to do anything. I think firing the head coach was preemptive, just because the fact that like they needed to do something. But sometimes if you do something for the sake of doing something, it doesn't mean it's the right thing. Like, I just don't understand. There's no strand other than McDavid is the best player on the planet that leads me to believe that Edmonton has anything to do here.
2: Well, and yet, they've won three straight. They're tied. They're looking like they're going to at least pick up another point tonight. Um, So maybe some things we we talked about, quote-unquote, luck with the Vancouver Canucks earlier – On the other side of the coin, Edmonton was the unluckiest team in the league. They had the lowest shooting percentage, the lowest save percentage. They were among the worst in the league in both of those, and they still are, frankly. So do you think um, McDavid and 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 Kane and Hyman and Nugent Hopkins are going to be this snake bit for this long? I don't. No, but
1: I but I think the goal the goaltending is going to be as bad, and that's and look, and, and see and see look see at that. the and look that's and look true. at the Kings last year, they were scoring points and their goaltending was garbage, and they were okay. Yeah,
2: I I again, so if I, they're
1: okay, that's not enough to get you out of a
2: trench. I am because, I am because all those other
1: teams are to win games too.
2: I am just more a believer in Stuart Skinner than most. He's he's had obviously a bad start to the season, but I think he's settling in a little bit. Um, the last, I, I don't know what his numbers over the last handful of games or so, but I, I, I think the Oilers are good enough to go on like a run, like a 12, yes, like a, like a Kings 13 and three type of stretch. I think the Oilers can put one of those together. And if you do that, I mean, you're going to be right back in business when the standings are still relatively tight. So I'm with you though, that it is kind of fascinating that the statistic about the American Thanksgiving, cause it is kind of an early Benchmark, but it is fascinating. But sixty percent, sixty percent, and that's there's to always to one over or two, two decades. Well, yeah, but, but so look at the standings, though. Look at the teams in the Western Conference that are not in the playoffs, right? Okay, right now let's, or, let's 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 do that.
1: Let's let's do Western Conference here. Okay, i'll agree with you. Like,
2: so who do you there's think there's eight, makes eight it teams?
1: Work. There's eight teams that make it. Yes, right. Sixty percent is roughly two to three teams that drop out. Yeah, right. So right now we have we have Colorado at thirty points,
2: yeah. Dallas Stars
1: at twenty eight, Winnipeg at twenty six.
2: I think Winnipeg makes playoffs. I said that at the start. I think they do.
1: Golden Knights thirty two, Vancouver thirty one, Kings twenty nine. Now, where I will give you and play wild card is playoffs. Yes. Maybe it's just a wild card. Uh, Yes. Maybe the top. Maybe those top three teams in each of those divisions are that good. It's just a wild card. And where I will concede to you where their chance at making the playoffs is is I look at the wild card and I'm not confident in any of those
2: teams. Exactly. That's where I'm but, at.
1: But I still think dysfunction is dysfunction. They're not a team that is built to win right now. Well, they don't they, have the mentality to win.
2: But is it dysfunction? They've just rattled off four straight. They're win- they, they came back. They were down one nothing in the third period. They came to score three third period. Goals are going to win tonight. Pick up two more points. Where's that leapfrogged them in the standings? Two more points puts them to 19. That puts them ahead of Anaheim. Joe, Joe, I had
1: the worst vision of all time, and I can find the toilet at night (laughs) sometimes. So, like, they're getting, they might be getting lucky. I don't know. Like, you know, but ultimately when you get LASIK, LASIK is the LA Kings. Like, their vision test looks good. They look confident all the time. Even in the last, last night, they look great. Edmonton does not look good at any facet, even in the last three games to me.
2: But okay. It is now It is now four, by the way. Four straight.
1: Okay. Where where I will concede to you is that the teams that are competing for them or trying to knock them off that wild card spot, I'm not 100% confident. So that's where I think that they could get in there. I don't think they'll win the division. I think they get in the playoffs via – or not win the division. I don't think they get in in the Pacific. I think they're a wild card if they do get in.
2: That's fair. So do I. I'm not I don't think they're gonna at okay. this point because LA, Vancouver, and Winnipeg have banked so many points and Edmonton is so far back, while it's not impossible. I I think Edmonton's path to the playoffs is through the wild card. Yes, I, I that I agree with. But I think they get there.
1: Okay. Let's get in let's get into one more thing here. Obviously, Edmonton, you think it's going in? Who who is the other who's the other team to drop off then? Um, well, actually, let's do this. Colorado Stars, Jets, Knights, Canucks, Kings. Which one of those six teams are the team that doesn't make the playoffs?
2: I, I those if, if, you, if,
1: you were, if you were to give those six, because it's, again, 60%, we're just playing the odds.
2: Well, those 60, you're those excluding the wild card. The wild cards count.
1: No, I know. But I'm saying, generally, some team can have that kind of, just as much as a team can go on a run. A team can I mean, fall. If, if, this if, is if just an exercise, Joe. If I'm you're
2: just, talking one of those six, it's it's Winnipeg. If you're if you're going to talk one of those six, it's Winnipeg that falls off. But I I do think that they can be. I think they make. I think they're the third best team in that division. So I think they make. It. <laughs> yeah. I think because that's, that's what because that's what
1: Kings fans want to see because we want to we are all about that Velarde hate um, and in his in his. Yeah. uh American history X type haircut going on that he's got going on there. So um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, So actually let's get into that. Velarde pretty salty coming back from the MCL. Uh, I didn't really read into it. I'd be upset with an injury. He just got a payday. He gets a chance to prove himself on a team, goes out. Cross check was a little low. I get it. Uh, and, And, you know, he's dealing with what? 10 degree weather rather than being in L.A., so, did you guys read anything into Velarde's statement, or or is everybody overreacting?
0: I didn't really read into it too much. I think everybody's kind of. I, I thought. I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird to for him to come at a player like that, or at a former teammate and a former mate like that, and Blake thought But I don't know. I, I thought the play was just incidental, purely, and. <laughs> So, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't read too much into it.
2: No. Honestly. I mean, I don't care at all. I I, I genuinely don't care. Like it's The guy's probably frustrated. He's been dealing with injuries for a large part of his career. I'm sure he's frustrated. He had to deal with it again. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe him and Blazat didn't get along for all I know. I don't know what their relationship was like in L.A. So, I mean, honestly, for a team like the Kings that have started so well at 13-3, like to see Kings Twitter go out of their minds because of a comment that Gabe Velarde said, like, who cares? (laughs) Why do we care? I I don't know. Like, to me, I genuinely didn't read anything into it. He's probably just a frustrated guy that was hurt, and he's frustrated to miss time again, and emotions are still – maybe a little high, like I, whatever. <laughs> That's what I, that was my thought.
0: I don't even do like, did he, he didn't call Lizot a dirty player. You just kind of said that. He says the play was dirty.
2: He, he said he makes the, he, he does those He types does of those type of types plays. plays. Yeah. I mean. Which I mean,
0: it, that, that kind of comment. Yeah. That I could see up that kind of riles people up, but I mean. I don't know. But is, is, fan, he fan, is he is he like... wrong? Is he wrong?
1: I mean, Lazada, I wouldn't call a Lazada a dirty player, but he's definitely in the realm of being annoying and being a pesk and, and chipping away and doing stuff that
0: bothers people. Like I would say that. Yeah, he plays the he plays the game hard. Yeah, which you need.
1: Identity. Yeah. What you need.
0: Yeah. I forget
1: what it was. I we I watched uh a different broadcast and and I forget what player it was. And he's like, So, how does it feel to play on the same line as Martian or the same team as Martian instead of against him? He goes, I'm glad he's not, I'm glad he's on my team. I was tired of playing against him. Like those types of players, I'm not saying Lazat is Martian, but I'm saying those types of players, night in and night out, like that's a that's just gruesome to play against. I think Lazat, not in the physical sense, not in the dirty sense, but he's tough to play against, especially when you think you're getting a, a reprieve for a fourth line. Right. If you get you get that type of thing, I think I think, which is good, you know.
2: I don't I just don't think when you're sitting at thirteen to three that you have to give one iota what somebody else says. I don't know. Like if Blake does not want like, to be mad, think, he can be mad. I don't care. Was,
1: I don't think Lazat cares.
2: Right me, me neither, but
1: over oh, over yeah. under uh uh England or Ungland decleeting Villardi.
2: I yeah. I don't know. I, I'm gonna say under because England isn't like gonna go looking for it. And
1: he's leading the league in in fights. So. He is.
2: He is. but wow, for sure. Shoot, velardi sure as hell ain't gonna mess with drop England. it. England.
1: All right. So we're gonna get into this here, but before we do that, let's get to our sponsors here at DraftKings. Oops, my DraftKings things went up. So DraftKings. We're talking about our bets here. So tonight you're looking at Avalanche Coyotes 2-2. The over-under is at 1.5, which it always is in hockey. But over-under for total points is 6.5. So are they going to be able to go over that threshold? Minus 120, minus 110, depending on the over-under there. You have the Stars Flames, again, tied at 2-2. Tomorrow, Sharks-Devils. Are you going to go over-under 6.5? Or are you going to take the spread? Devils 2.5 over the Sharks. Uh, That might be something to look at. So DraftKings is something that you need to get into so, with, with DraftKings Sportsbook, download the app now. Use code THPN. New customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets. For betting $5 on hockey, that's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Lots of bets to be made, Joe. Lots of bets to be made. But right now, I don't know if anybody was betting on this, but this is time, for our second called Return of the King. So, we've got three parts to this segment. All of them are, are a King returning to something, whether it's the Kings team returning to top form, a player coming back, or a player playing at the level that we expected him to play at. So let's we'll start with a return to the King leading the Pacific. So obviously points, big thing. At the end of the year, everybody has 82 games. Right now, we don't have 82 games. And so the Kings have three games in hand, points percentage at 725, Biggest Golden Knights at 696, Canucks at 674. So they are leading the Pacific, they are leading the Western Conference, and I believe they are third in the entire NHL in points percentage. LA Kings back on the top, return to the King. We are loving this. Outside, Even in the last game, we lost. We didn't get any points, but completely done this game. This team is firing on all cylinders. They don't have a Lazat, which I think we're the only team in the, in the NHL complaining about not having a fourth-line center, but he's a major part of this team. The third line really isn't going well. And we'll talk about PLD later on, but this team is, is, is just completely firing power play is kicking up penalty kill. Had a streak going on. I think 28 straight penalty kills uh, without giving up a goal really can't have much to gripe with. Is this team for real? Do you feel now at the end of November that we are a cup contender?
2: Joe, it's hard to say otherwise right now. I'm, not seeing much right now um, with w- where their weaknesses are. Um, their penalty kills improved. They're getting saves. They're getting contributions from all around the lineup. Their depth at center is is so damn good. Um, you know, and they're doing this, you know, maybe Victor Arvidsson comes back later in the season. You know, what, what an addition to the lineup he is. I mean, I think the question is still a question. I think maybe we're being maybe this is me being a little nitpicky, but I mean, you asked. I think if the question is still goaltending, I, I still think that's a fair question. Content. Ta- now can-
1: let's let's, exp- let's let's do let's go on, on that. So is okay. it top end goaltending or is it depth
2: for you? Both. Like, listen, would anybody be surprised if if Cam Talbot, if something happened, or if he just kind of just came back to earth a little bit? I don't think so. Of course not. I don't think anybody came in thinking Talbot was going to be a Vesna candidate, which you could probably argue that he is at this point. He's had a really, really good season start to the season. So, you know, if Talbot falters a little bit, you know, Copley has been up and down this season. So I still think goaltending is, will it hold it's 20 games? Will it hold for the next 62 and beyond? I think is still a fair question. Um, You know, and after that, Like, then it gets really nitpicky. Like, you're looking at, okay, like, for me personally, I'm looking at where the roster shakes out and, like, areas for possible improvement. It's like, okay, fourth line, right wing, and that might improve inherently if Arvidsson comes back and LD3, which he hasn't been bad. Like, he's done his job. England has done his job. So is there a player that maybe could – do his job and then offer a little bit more on the other side of the puck, maybe, but it's not as if they have to go out and, you know, there's a glaring need that they have to go fix right now. Right. So I think that's what I look at is, you know, and I'm nitpicking with those two positions. I don't, I don't think that they necessarily have to go out and address those in a trade. Um, so I think the questions remain of, of goaltending, but right now the rest of the roster, boy, it's, they, they are structured. They're bought in, um, and it looks really good right now. So barring something happening injury-wise, they in, they're in, they look like a team that is built for a playoff run as well.
1: So I, I believe the Athletic have them right now, based on the, all their metrics, at about 7.5% <coughs> chance to win the Cup.
2: So 7.5%. I, I believe
1: 7. 5. the last time I saw that the Athletic had them at 7.5% chance to win the Cup. So everybody in the chat. Do you think seven point five is about right? What do you think the percentages of the Kings win the che- uh, the Stanley Cup at this point? Let us know what you think. Let's see if we can bring it back in Russell. See what he thinks. Russ, do you think What's the up? Kings are Stanley Cup contenders right now? man?
0: I mean, they certainly look like it. If you look at all the metrics and all the 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 goal differential, I mean, the way they're winning games and the way they're playing, I don't think there's any kind of. I mean, it's weird. If even if you just go back to the game that they lost yesterday. Like I, I, I never got the feeling that they were out of it. I mean, you can sense that. Yeah, Charlie Lindgren was playing out of his mind, but like you, you like going into the second intermission when they were trailing, I just knew that the Kings would come out and just dominate. Like it was just not even a question that that they would play that the way they were playing, and sure enough, they did because this is just what they've shown all year. So I, the only question, I, I guess, is like what Joe said: is if the goaltending can keep up. That's still going to be a question mark with this team because of Cam Talbot, the way he's been playing. Is it sustainable? Um, you're still going to have to rely on Phoenix Copley. And so for him to have that showing too, was probably giving a lot more confidence to their Stanley Cup hopes. So uh, it's it's great so far. You want to see him keep it going. I think they will for the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, a lot of the question marks are still going to be goaltending.
1: So I, I'm, I'm going to play a little uh, devil's advocate. And I was watching – I actually took you guys' advice and watched the Washington broadcast for about a period and a half last night. And first thing I heard was the, they were talking about the one-three-one, and they were talking about a player, uh, and he was an ex-player who won the cup with them, I believe.
2: And it's it the Kings. Yes. Yep.
1: And he was talking about how the one-three-one and how teams prepare for it. And he said the Kings are perfect, perfectly, perfectly suited to run that type of defense and it's a pain in the ass because you have one you have one way to go against it and then announcer's like so how do you play against it he goes well if the forward is a defensive liability you attack the forward otherwise you throw it in into a five foot square in the corner and hope your guy can get there enough soon enough that the defender doesn't have a time to turn around and find somebody but you're looking at all the right shot defense when he said spence has great skating dowdy has great skating roy is good at his job so it's like all the players and the way this lineup is, like, there's no hole. Once the Kings get up in a game, there's no hole in that defense, and like they, they just stomp on players' throats. And 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 I'm and you know I'm talking about what he said verbatim, not verbatim, but you know paraphrasing. But he said it's really hard. Like once that team gets up, or once the Kings get up, it's hard to to come back on them. Uh, you know, unless you get crap goaltending, which crap is different than what we're talking about. Cam Cam playing out of his mind. But even mm-hmm. if he comes back to Earth a little bit, the defense should be enough to hold this team up, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think will will that be a Cup contender? I don't know, but I think at least will be a deep playoff contender and be enough to do what's going on there. The second was in the Washington thing was this center depth. Yep. The defense, the defense up and down, and I and we'll talk about PLD later and whether he's a true 200 foot forward. But you're talking about Dano and Kopitar and Lazat and everything like that a lot of teams are starting to notice that the Kings are really tough to play against consistently shift after shift, after shift, after shift. And that's what you need. That's what you need. Cause right now you were having two days off, three days off, four days off, but in the playoffs it's every other night. And are you able to come in night in and night out and play the Kings with that much depth? Most teams are not built for that. And I, that's where I think the Kings will start catching people off guard. Is their depth in the forward group? Their ability, their ability to come back from any deficit and the fact that the 1 once they get a lead, <clears throat> it's almost lights out for almost every team.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the like I said, their, their st- structure is really good right now. Um, and they are a team that, as of today, looks very much built for a playoff run. Um, I thought it's funny because I actually watched the Washington broadcast too, Randon. I thought that was, that's pretty funny you said that. Cause like the first period and a half was like, they were, Gushing about the LA Kings. I thought mm-hmm. they were very complimentary, talking about how well they were going. Then to your point with Devontae Smith Pelly, Um, and I thought the Kings, I think it has as much to do with you know the time off, maybe, but I thought the Kings were good in the first like couple of periods, but I f- didn't feel like they generated a ton I, like there's a couple of chances. I mean, byfield had a point blank, I think Kempe had a close one, or you know, a, a slot chance. But like the, the first two periods, the Kings I controlled I the game that dictated the, the game, but it wasn't as if they were getting great looks. I thought the third period, they were really good. Um, and it just didn't happen. You know, you're going to run into that sometimes Lindgren played really well. So. I, disagree.
1: Had- I think there were some great looks. Kopitar could have had a backhand, just missed it. There was little shots in the slot wide open that just got on each other's feet. I think there was a lot of opportunities where okay. it seemed like the Kings were making those shots recently.
2: That's fair. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing to consider too is you know you know everybody like i said earlier in the show everybody's all over vancouver because their pdo is so high like i said the kings have a pretty up their pdo in the top you know almost top five in the league so if you're going to say that then you know maybe the king's shooting percentage comes down to earth a little bit rather than being like what is it the fifth highest shooting percentage in the nhl at five on five so you know they there there may be some that that some of that were random where he's like, you know, they were, they, they buried those uh, a few games earlier and they, they missed it. This one, you know, stuff like that's going to happen, you know, so, over the course of the season. Yeah. So the, Russell, stat I you...
0: look, the stat I look at Joe, and I know we've talked about PDO and rightly so, because of Vancouver and everything like that. But the one I look at is the high danger chances against. And I think the Kings are number one in that area. So yeah we're talking about goaltending, right? I mean, yep. this is why it gives you a little bit more confidence that can, Talbot can be sustainable and kind of, yep keep that going and copy can come in because the kings aren't really giving up those high danger chances and they're getting a lot of them themselves so i like that stat a little bit more because it seems like they're kind of defending their own area a little bit
2: yeah and to be clear like that's why i don't necessarily love the pdo stat that's kind of the point i was making like yeah i don't read a ton it's a nice little like quick barometer about luck but as you also have to keep unpeeling the layers and to your point russ i totally agree when you look at the expected goals the high danger chances and stuff like that for and against then it it paints a picture of like okay yeah this is sustainable
1: well let's 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 talk about a stat that isn't uh you know disagreeable it is the shutout uh from phoenix copley uh didn't allow any goals that's zero um that's a goose egg and, and getting back, and so return of the King, Phoenix Copley, rising from the ashes, uh, well needed for him, obviously, uh, doubted by all Kings fans, including us. We talked about it on our last podcast. Is it time to go away? Is it time to get Riddich? Is it time to get Portillo? Which, uh, if you're looking at all the stats, playing better than Jasper Wallstead in, in the AHL, just a little side tip there. So um, Let's let's talk about this. Has he looked better in the last two games? Yes. Does this give you guys confidence, Russ? I'm gonna do this to you that that the, now the Kings have two horses in net to where to where they can continue having multiple runs and not rely on Copley so much, or not rely on uh, Toppen so much.
0: I think for the time being, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I mean, yeah, it's looked great, and that's that's kind of why I pointed to that expected goals against high danger chances against I look at that and that's why when Cam Talbot came over here he talked about the Kings being a friendly system for goaltenders. because if you look at it they are they're the best team in terms of being friendly to goaltenders because they don't allow those high danger chances and their penalty kill is really good so I mean if you add both of those together a goaltender can go in that's probably be playing me pretty me- mediocre and get a win and that's really all that Copley needs to do we we talk about it on end. I mean, just go in there, make the saves that you need to make. Kings will limit the cha- high danger chances. And you come out of there with a win. And, and sure enough, that's exactly what the Kings are doing. So I, I, I like what I've seen out of Copley these last couple games. I do. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to keep replicating it because I am I honestly just don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I think it's just kind of like – I think when Copley starts, you just have to be like – Okay, if we get a win out of it, it's great. It's total that's awesome because it really can go either way with some of his play, but I don't know. It it's it doesn't give me a ton of confidence and keep it going for the whole season, but we, I hope he does.
1: So Joe, so Joe, let me let me let me ask you a different question there. Let me sure spin this off here. Russ brought up the high danger chances. Um, and then we talked about last year that he just needs to be good enough to win games. Obviously the offense is well better five on five this season. Do you have the confidence then in Copley maybe not to be the savior of the franchise as was as he was last year, but to be an adequate enough goalie to where you're not worried about starting him going forward.
2: I I mean, I think Copley can be around a 900 save percentage goalie. And I think that's right around, that's probably a tick below league average these days, save percentages down these days. Um, So, you know, I think, going because I think there's a lot of people calling for Riddich. and I don't remember if we talked about it on the show or, or where it was, if it was in a chat or whatever. But everybody's like, "Well, bring up Riddich. He's you know he's going to be better than than Copley. Copley's got a sub 800, and my whole thing was he's got a, he's he has played to a sub 800 save percentage in so far in the games going into the season. I would argue my I and mean, the argument I was making was the probability of Copley and Ridditch playing and making 27 out of 30 saves in the next game is probably exactly the same. Just because one has a decent save percentage in the AHL and the other one's got a 780 in the NHL doesn't mean anything really for the next game, in my opinion. So I was fine to give Copley a longer stretch of games to, to really see because you know I think it was too soon to pull the trigger. Um, you know, I was nervous that we may be getting to the point where we're going to get there and that the, 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 the shoe is going to fall off of Cinderella. But again, I, I'm not taking a whole lot into these games and that he's going to be, he's fixed. He's fine. Other than I just think, here we go. Like he's it's goalies, man. Like he, however he goes, like I'm, I'm not, I don't think Talbot's going to be a nine twenty eight save percentage goalie for the rest of the season. That I, I just think the Kings are going to have. This is I, I don't think you can like, get married to any one way or the other with these goaltenders this year. Like, oh my God, Talbot's the savior at nine twenty-eight. Okay, he's played nine twenty-eight for the first part of the season here. There's sixty games left. Okay, so let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Enjoy it by all means, enjoy it. Be pumped about it, but little be you know kind of reserved here. That's how I'm trying to approach this. Is I don't know that Talbot's gonna be a nine twenty-eight all season, but I also didn't think Copley would be a, an eight hundred all season. So we're gonna meet in the middle. And I think that Talbot will probably settle into a nineteens and you know, Copley, you know, pushes, you know, maybe high eight nineties. And, you know, I think I think it's gonna be okay. Don't get me wrong, but it's still enough to be, you know, question as you head into playoffs. That's all.
1: So everybody, Russ is having a little internet troubles within his building uh in his area. So he's trying to get that back on, on track there. Uh Richard coming here with goalies are voodoo. And Trapper uh can I come. I miss Russ. We all do. We all do. <laughs> so uh before we get into the next return of the king, uh, I just want to mention this. And and we don't we don't like doing this here at hockey Realty. We don't like trying to plug ourselves up and everything like that. But we would really appreciate it if you guys hit the like, uh share our feed going on. We're trying to get we're trying to get into a non-pathetic realm of, of YouTube uh, <laughs> going forward, and all that means is more giveaways for you guys, right? So Russ gave away some tickets the other night, uh, which would mean signed jerseys, all this kind of stuff like that. So we want to give away more stuff to our fans, our royal listeners. So any any likes, any subscribes, any any tweeting or or following of our podcast will be will be greatly appreciated. Our,
2: and then we're we're analytics people here, brand new. Our like to viewer ratio is like 44% for today's show. We have to get that. If that that was, if that
1: was Corsi, that's pathetic,
2: right? We're struggling right now. We're struggling.
1: (laughs) So, and then we also have the super chats on there. Uh, So that means you are guaranteed to uh, get your comment or question. So if you want to steer this podcast in a direction, super chats up there, $2, I think is the lowest one. Like I said, we're trying to do more stuff for you guys. This is the way we're doing it. I know that wasn't on the on the docket last year. We just came up here and talked Kings hockey, but you know what? This is what we're doing now. We're trying to get you guys more involved, and this is the way we're going about it. So our let's expected, get
2: in. our expected likes percentage is way down, right? There.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the last return of the king, the only return of the king that matters to Joe is Blake Lazat. Blake Lazat, it is is coming in and is skating uh, in a red non jack jersey. Uh, he should be ready to go. Um, coming soon. Now, the fourth line hasn't been abysmal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had some good games, had some bad games. Obviously, it's much need that he gets back. You know, things float around. But how big it would be to get Lazad back coming onto this road trip coming up?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, I, I think Lazad is, and we've talked about him at length on this this show. I mean, I think he's as good as it gets in terms of a fourth line center. And I, you know, not to say that the, the lines have been has been terrible in his absence. Although, if you look at the last three games, they were, you know, a thirty a, percent a, um, a shot attempts against Anaheim. They had a good, really good game against Montreal, seventy three percent, forty one percent against Washington. So again, yeah, it's it's not the end of the world, but you you're definitely missing an element on that line. I think with with Lazat that's not in the lineup he is the best of that group generally speaking in terms of like his of controlling the zone entries more so certainly more so than trevor lewis who is he's just a dump and chase guy that's it is what it is um and calia throughout the season has been a dump and chase guy Lazad is more so than is controlled but he's going to at least be willing a little bit more to get into the zone so i just think that they're missing they're missing a little bit more of kind of the way they get into the zone. And I think they're also missing that creativity. They're really not getting Lazad as we've talked about has been like somebody that's in the upper part of the Kings lineup in shot assist per 60. He's a creative player. So yeah. to miss him, that's what that's the part they're missing. Like maybe with the existing fourth line, they cannot get killed. Maybe they can control some of the shot attempts, but I think you're going to miss some of those those scoring opportunities because of what Blake Lizotte could bring to the table and does bring to the table.
1: So we got a couple of people here, you know, Lib coming in here, or Lib. Uh, any idea the Kings have decided not to say anything all about uh, Lizotte's timeline? Well, they didn't have to put him on IR, so they don't really have to do anything. They just say he's out and he will be back at some point. Uh, Richard coming here, if Lizzo isn't ready, do we call up Turcotte? That would have happened before Thanksgiving. Right now that he's in actually skating on the ice uh, at practice, I don't think there's any call up. I think they go with Jaredness and dolan Can we get off his back, please? Like Jad has had a couple games; he's not playing consistently, and all of a sudden he's expected to be a point for game player. Like if anybody needs to be uh, hounded, is a guy that's not playing on the fourth line for six minutes a night. So like let's just let's just kind of move on and 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 like like I get it. Everybody wants Turcotte. Everybody wants fagimo as a goal a goal per game player in the AHL. I get it. But let's just not pile on Jad for for him having to fill in and not really get any playing time. Like, what do you think the defense is going to look like? Like, I have the defense. Nobody is filtered in. Am I right? Like, there has been not been one game where a different player has played, right? Like
2: uh Bjornfoot played the first game, but that was just because of the, the cap crunch. Remember they played. The short yeah, yeah. That was so, it.
1: Yeah. In a normal lineup, nobody has played otherwise. So if there's an injury, like what are we gonna say? Like, oh, you know, Bjornfoot or Mavara or whatever. Like let's just let's just pump the brakes on the hate for for Jet, right? Like Yeah, he, I'm
2: I'm, like, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, John, listen, Anderson Dolan's he's a he's a I think he's a better player than he gets credit for, and I think The reason we're seeing the this iteration of Anderson Dolan is because the role he's in. He's the 13th forward. So when he gets in, he's just like, don't make mistakes. Pucks deep, you know, be responsible and and play a simple, no a limit mistake game. Whereas if he was given a longer leash, for example, say next to Blake Lazad on that line and say, okay, go, go, we're gonna give you a stretch here. Go play. Go, go be, go do what Anderson going to do. I think you could see a creative yeah. player who finishes,
1: which we did in the
2: AHL. Right. And we did in the NHL. Well, remember a couple yeah. of years ago, he, yeah. he maybe is writing a, a shooting percentage that was a little high, but like I think he has that in him of yeah. a player that, that can finish, that has some ability. He was one of the best power play players on the reign a couple of years ago, Randon. Like, and that's not by accident. So, this is, there's a player here. It's just, he's in a tough role. So I, I I got no problem with with Anderson Dolan. He's the least of, of – I mean, he is, a, to, again, to your point, he's a 13th forward. He's being spotted in here and there. He's not – I suspect not being asked to do a ton other than play a really simple, simple game when he's filled in.
1: Yeah, speaking of tough, Trapper 9 coming here, steering this direction with a super chat. Thank you for the five bucks. Ginger or Marianne? Let's play a game of get to know the hockey royalty, guys. I'll start this one off. I'm a ginger guy. Um, I like a little bit of uh, you know of, of the fireball. I like a little bit of the the uh, keep me on my toes type person. I think Marianne is the the solid Americana type type woman. I get it, but uh, give me ginger all day, every day. You know, I, I want a little spice in my life. And um, for all you redheads out there, you know what I'm talking.
2: So, I don't know. I didn't watch the show,
1: Joe. Joe, people are coming here for better content than that.
2: <laughs> I got to be out. So I hear. I'll look it up quickly. So look, just just on looks
1: by himself. You go on Ginger and Marianne.
2: I mean, I think you're doing all right either way. Um, I'll go with you. I'll go with Ginger. Sure. Yeah. Right. I don't know, but but again, I. I just pick one. Sorry, Shake. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come
1: on. <laughs> come on, man. That's what they come here for. They want they want some they want some solid content. They want you to pick a woman that you know nothing about. And that's solid content by anybody. Uh Shake Master coming here, spicy trapper coming here, Marianne guy here. Hey, even though Joe was unwilling to pick somebody, he is not wrong. That there is no wrong answer here. So let's get into what Twitter's been a buzz lately, there, Joe. Uh, is the PLD impression? Yeah, obviously not having a great season so far on the basic statistics. Uh, he's kind of been left for dead with the the remembrance of the two <laughs> lines, right? Laferriere uh, and what I wouldn't say left for dead with Grunstrom because I love I love Tonka. Yeah, but that line hasn't been great. Um, they had a couple spurts, a couple lapses. So, like, I is he worth the eight plus million that he's getting paid right now? Or is the underlying statistics there? Are you going to give me some gypsy numbers that makes me feel better (laughs) about myself? Like what's going on here, Joe?
2: So first of all, to the eight and a half million, like, I don't know that we should be making any determination, whether even if he was scoring point a game that we should say, yes, for the next eight years, this contract is worth it. Or this contract is not worth it because we're 20 games into an eight year deal. So, I would just say, any expectation maybe temper it uh, a, a little bit, um, at, at, from from that aspect. So you're you're right. The production is is uh, you know it leaves a lot to be desired. I think that that's where a lot of the frustration comes in, is simply from a production standpoint. Um, I I don't know. Whenever I watch him and I watch the and I do the tracking for like the zone entries. The guy is an absolute horse. I mean, he is the number one player on the LA Kings in terms of controlled zone entries. And I checked back to Corey Schneider's uh, all three zones tracking data last year. He was 78% carry percent. So carrying the puck in 78% of his entries were carry-ins. The Kings didn't have anybody last year above 68 and he's doing it again this year. I've got him tracked so far so, at so 74. So let's
1: look, for everybody who didn't catch that. Kings last season didn't have anybody over 68% in carry percentage over the uh, over the blue line. PLD was 78%. So 10% better than anybody on the Kings last season.
2: And that was last season. So like when, and the point of that being that statistic is obviously if you're controlling the puck into the zone rather than just dumping it and having to go chase it there's a much higher probability that something good is going to happen from that shift and that zone entry if you're coming in with control versus not with control. When I look at this year, I've got him at 74%. That leads the Kings. Kevin Fiala is the only other King right now above 70, 71%. So when I look at that, it's like every, and every time you watch his shifts, watch him through the neutral zone. He's a horse. He gets the puck and he lugs the puck into the zone. It's like, okay, so he's, he's doing that. What I've noticed is his shots are way down. Um, I'd have to go back and look to see what he shot last year. But his shot attempts are noticeably down from where they were a season ago. I'm not sure what the reason exactly is. I mean, he's like 12th on the Kings in in shot attempts per 60, which when you consider it's Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's pretty low.
1: He's ninth in November. Okay. For the, for, uh, so with the line change,
2: he's ninth total. Okay, and which is interesting because I would, and if you think about it, like early in the season, Kevin Fiala wasn't quite the same Kevin Fiala, um, and actually, you know, his shot assist numbers, he's he's down a couple shot assists. Um, Fiala himself is from where he was last season. So I don't. I think Dubois though overall shot contributions is kind of middling. So I think he's struggling to to connect consistently with linemates. I think he's doing a good job with some things. Like I said, the zone entries, the controlling play, going hard to the net, being hard to play against, being a physical presence. Like I think all that is very, very good. It hasn't yet translated to points. I still want to see him next to Trevor Moore. Uh, I think that that would really uh, help to elevate his game because I still think next to, I mean, I'm a Grunstrom fan. I'm a Lafarriere fan. I think it just I'd like to see a little bit more of a play driver next to him. Um, I mean, you could say that the Kings always have
1: – a play driver.
2: What? He should be the play driver. Well, but my, I guess what I'm saying is is you kind of have multiple play drivers on every line. Like, you look at that Deno line. Deneau and is a play driver. Kevin Fiala is a play driver. And more, maybe a little bit less so, but he's got that element to him. Quinton Byfield is driving play. Andre Kopitar is a play driver right so right now Dubois has kind of shouldered that so is he do... so is he the odd man
1: out you're talking about all the guys you mentioned are all in the top two lines is he the odd man
2: out well I, I think I think that's why I think Trevor Moore should play with Pierre-Luc Dubois I think it really opens up I think it would really when you think about the speed that Moore has and plays with um through the neutral zone but can also get in on four checks. And then you have the way Dubois carries the puck into the zone. I think having a more on his wing with a shooter like Grunstrom or a shooter like LeFarriere would would do wonders. I, I really do. Um, not to mention, I mean, and again, it's, it's not that I dislike these players, but LeFarriere is a rookie. He's he's adjusting in his own right. Grunstrom is a 13th forward Fourth line player now starting to really settle into a larger role, which is great. Don't talk about
1: Tonka like that, please. My point
2: is, my point is, is he's he's himself, you know, really kind of settling into his game, and now you're pairing these two guys that are kind of finding themselves with a guy who's trying to get, you know, find himself with his new team and everything in the new system. So, you know, McClellan talked about it after the last game that he thinks his game is going up. He thinks he's getting better. He thinks he's settling in, and I don't disagree with that. I, I just would like to see him with a. I'd like to see him with Trevor Moore. But overall, I guess you asked the question about the contract. I mean, if obviously the production hasn't been there, he's not producing at the level that he should be.
1: On pace but, for forty-seven points, which is not.
2: Yeah, it's obviously not good enough. I am still not upset about the contract. Not concerned about the contract. Because I think as he continues to get settled in here, uh, I think he's going to be just fine, and he's doing a lot of things well. Like I said, with the the way he controls the puck, the way he controls the zones, he controls the neutral zone. Like I think he's doing um, quite a bit right. So I, I still I still think I still think there, there's something, and and so I was going at it with a shot attempt. So last year, he was 15 shot attempts per 60. The year before with Winnipeg, he was 14 shot attempts per 60. For right now, he's below 12 with the Kings per 60. So there, there's a noticeable drop off in his shot attempts. And I'm not sure what the reason is. Like I said, it's probably a comfort thing. I think the part first part of the season, he's probably him and Fiala. And his,
1: and his shooting percentage is at six and a half right
2: now. Yeah. So he's not,
1: the shots that he's taking, he's not, he's not getting it. So, like I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, Joe. And I, nope, I, I think, yep, and, and I think this is where I want to go with this. Is he playing at an eight point five million dollar level? No, he's not. So let's not, let's not, let's not, you know, cushion this up or, or anything like that. He's not. Is he worth the money that he's being paid? No, he's not. But I think there's a lot of things to look at here that give me uh, great hope, right? So IPP is individual points percentage. Number one on the Kings. So when he's on the ice and the Kings score a point or score a goal, he's he is a part of that goal 88% of the time. So when he's on the ice and the Kings score a goal, he's a part of that goal 88% of the time, leads the Kings. In November, it's 100%. So, yeah, he only had five points in, in November. But it was 100% of the time. Every time so his line scored, he was a part of that. So, so even though Jesus, even though that, sorry with the, the static here, even though that he's he's not doing well on an overall sense. When his line does score, it's because of him. But are they doing it at a high enough rate? No, they're not. here for me, the experiments it's not over, but like he's not helping. that team like he's gotten flashes and this and that. he's not hurting the team he's not helping the team but I'm tired of it not hurting the team like is there another player like okay let's let's hypothetical what if Arvidsson comes back don't you like that line Grunstrom Arvidsson PLD like or you put PLD up on the second line you get more Grunstrom and PLD like I think there's a lot more opportunity here and I don't think Laferriere is doing PLD any services I just think that there's a lot of positives in there. There's some negatives for me. He's the lowest center on the team in face-off percentage. Uh, there's a lot of different small analytics within the, the defensive side of the puck that I think he'd clean up, but that's him as a line. So the offensive side is there. I think the power play isn't meshing with him. Maybe he needs to get off the power play to a second power play or have somebody else yeah, he- find a different role. because he's I think he's top five in power play minutes. He's only got one power play point. So yeah, they, maybe they, there's they, a, something there that on the on the special teams he needs to find a different home. So there's not there's not he's not overwhelmingly bad and we need a lot more from him.
2: Yeah, there he he he's he has moved back to the second power play and he is set to your point Brandon, he's second on the team in primary points per 60 so again it's not like a there's there's at 5 on 5 clearly there's and the thing is, too, if for a player like him, if you're not producing it on the power play, you know that's going to hurt your overall point production. But yeah, I mean, I think there's pros, there's positives and negatives, I should say, too. Even when you look under the hood with him, there's some good and there's some bad. I think there's reason for optimism. I think after 20 games, I'm not bothered by the start. Frankly, obviously, I wanted more production, but I I still feel pretty good that it'll come. Again, I think the overall the play is 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 okay. Um, I want to see Trevor more next to him.
1: So, Russ, that's so hard. It's 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 good to see your beautiful face, man. You were you blurry for so long. No, beard, I love technology. Your your beard's <laughs> top notch. Give us your top Appreciate notch that. analysis uh, about PLD, and obviously, he hasn't been worth his contract. But where where do you want more from him, and where do you think he shines so far in in your eye test? Uh, being at uh, crypto.
0: Uh, to be honest with you, this PLD conversation, I could really care less. Honestly, the team is winning. That's really all that matters. Yeah, there's a little bit of a conversation you can have to some of his on-ice play. They're winning games. And this was a lot of the talk coming into the years, the depth of this team down the middle. And he's a big reason for that. That's why you get a player like this. I still. I mean, a lot of people. When you when you talk about the he's not living up to the contract, I, this contract his contract isn't going to start being lived up to until Kopitar leaves. That's that's more that's going to be where everybody's going to be focused on at that point. Because right now he's just the third line center, and if this team comes playoff time, if this team makes playoffs, which is looking like they might be, then we'll start talking about PLD on the ice. But for now, I mean all this like talk about some individual players. I am w- glad that the team is winning games and he's contributing to that. But I don't know. I just I just hate the conversation talking okay, about well, his let, let me, and everything. Then about. let me let me throw this to you then w- without money. Yeah. Do
1: you think he's taking shifts off? Do you think he's giving 100%? No.
0: 100%? No. No. Not at all. I think he's learning the game and I think that conversation if it ever comes to fruition or I'm glad I'm glad like with what, what Tom McClellan say, he's saying it perfectly. Like he's he's getting acclimated, he's learning to a system. You never want to put it down a player that's trying to like evolve and gain chemistry into this King system. Yeah, the it's it's weird. Like because I, I get where people are coming from with when you watch P. L. Dubois play, because he, he just kind of has that like laxadaisical kind of style to his game. I mean, when he has the puck. It's like there's no stopping him. He's just a bull in a china shop. Every time he gets the puck in the offensive zone, and when he wants to take it to the net, he's going to the net. Good luck. Good luck stripping him from the puck. He's like 240 pounds of just pure muscle that's not going to get stripped. So, I, I I'm not really too focused on what PL w Dubois has done now. Yeah, I I, I get that people want to see more, but the team is winning games. That's all that matters. They're winning. And I think so, his, so his, Joe. his presence in the lineup is probably a big reason for that.
2: I want to piggyback off that comment okay. real quick because the presence in the lineup. So I, I referenced earlier his, his zone entry percentage at 74%. Like hypothetically, if they had a player that was not Pierre-Luc Dubois and it wasn't somebody that was – seven, his, his last year he was that 70% was like Connor McDavid level per, per Corey Schneider's tracking. And right now this year he's going at about 74% um, is what I've got him at. So he's doing it again. Now think, is it translating to points? Not yet, but is it translating to offensive zone time for his lines? Or at least is it keeping the puck out of his defensive zone? Because what if you had a player that was at a 53% zone entry, controlled entries? Well, now you might, you run the risk of playing more in your own zone because if you're dumping it in or you're, you're turning pucks over as you enter the zone. So Maybe that's a little bit too, you know, nitty gritty of a way to look at it. But when I see a guy controlling the neutral zone like that and controlling the puck into the zone, like, I just think that's a good process. And that's, that's, it's certainly better than playing in the other zone.
1: So you, you're not wrong there. And I think it reminded me of the PDO podcast when we referenced this the last three or the PDO cast, we've referenced great subscribe. They do a great job at breaking down individual players and, and, taught me more about hockey than I ever knew in just 55 minutes, watching the Quinton <laughs> And so if you if you have watched it, the first 35 minutes are about Quinton Byfield. The last 15 are about the Kings. And what they're saying pretty much is that the Kings last season were a zone-entry team that went north and south. And now they're going in, in a diagonal fashion. They're weaving in and out. They trust the player holding the puck to bring the puck in. And they're bringing almost like a black hole. They're bringing defenders to them, allowing them for off the rush chances. And then when they get in there, every single player is strong in the boards to play a half court offense. So what you're looking at with PLD is that he his zone entries. He is the black hole. He brings that puck across. Players come towards him. Right now, if you look at the shot percentage for his line, Lafarriere. His shot percentage in the month of November was zero. If you look at if you look at PLD's shot percentage was 6.67. So that line, whether you say snake bitten or not, he's drawing players to him and they're not finishing. And I, I firmly believe that if if you look at PLD took one of those breakaways in and put him in a goal, he'd be a half point per game player for the month of November. And what we wouldn't even be talking right now. But the fact that he is almost invisible the last couple games, to the to the naked eye, and mine included, until I deep dived into what I was going in, yeah, I want more from him. Yeah, I want to be a point per game player. I want him to come in this, and I get it. Everybody gets it. But if you look at the thing, like he's bringing defenders in, he's doing this kind of stuff. He's and on the on the walls, he's effective on the walls. He's taking pucks away. He's drawing penalties. He's top four on the team and drawing penalties. Now he's also top five in giveaways and he needs to get better at that. But you're looking at, there's a lot of positives that come with PLD and, and I'm not going to forgive him for not producing in a, in a raw sense because he needs to, that's what he was brought in to do. But there's still a lot of stuff that if a few tweaks go the right way, if a few puck bounces the right way, you could be talking about a guy that is, this team and carrying this team rather than being a detriment
2: yeah yeah i mean i again i think yeah I, I think you're right i think that there's things that he's doing well that if he as long as he continues to do some of things these things well that it should translate into production i mean you just talked about last game how you mentioned that you seem like it was invisible and, I, and i'm not gonna clown you for that he led the team in in carry-in percentage and carry or carry-ins not carrying percentage but controlled entries he had six of them nobody else on the team had six he had three dump ins but like my point is is he's still dictating and controlling a lot of the play as he enters the zone and i i know that's not everything but it's. i'd be more concerned if he wasn't doing that he wasn't contributing offensively at all in terms of his shots and shot assists which I do think are down from what he's capable of. I will say that. So I think that if you can start to do that a little bit more, I think the points will come. And I'm just going to come all the way back around to, can we please try Trevor Moore with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Just a couple games maybe. I'd like to see he, it. I mean, how long, how, he's, he's also, tr- how, how long
0: last year? Go back to last year. How long did it take for us to get to Kevin Fiala to get acclimated to, to this team? It took him quite a while, right? It's not like it was just – he was put with Kopitar. didn't work out. And then all of a sudden he got yep. put with, what was it, Grunstrom and Kupari? And then did anybody did see it. that coming? Yeah. Or was it Kupari and somebody. And then all of a sudden they started lighting it up. So it's like we're, we're 20 games in and we're already nitpicking and talking about how he's not worth the $8.5 million a year he's getting paid and all that. Like like this is the thing is like I I just hate these conversations about these individual players when the team is playing. Some of the best hockey we're, – we're having conversations too. We're talking about is this the best Kings team we've ever seen? And yet we're still nitpicking plays like PLD or even like conversations like Jared Anderson Dolan. Like, I could give, I could give a fuck. I don't care. They're 13-4-3. and three. Who cares? They're winning games. Let's let's keep it going that way. And if they start losing games or if those players are a are, are big reason for that, yeah, then we could start having that conversation. I'm loving the, having a player like P.L. Dubois in the lineup and this team playing as well as they are right now. Uh, come playoff time, I think we'll see a, another level of this player on this team. So right now,
1: everybody thinks he's not playing well. That line's not playing well, uh, and yeah. you're not wrong. But if you look at the stats right now, seven games, expected goals fifty percent, two goals for, two goals against. They're like they're, they're right mediocre. And if you look at a couple goals, a couple things plot their way, you don't expect uh, LaFerriere to go zero shot percentage in November. Obviously the shot percentage was down for Grunstrom in November. So is, you expect a couple goals to just come their way or PLD to take a, a puck all the way into the net instead of just to the net. We're talking about a different line. And I think that is he worth eight point five million right now? No, he's not. Is the team winning? Yes, they are. It, should we expect more from a guy that you're paying money to? Of course. But right now, it's it's I'm I'm glad we're nitpicking. At, yep. at at number one in the division, right? Point percentage, because that's because that's the type of one. That's the type of podcast we are. Two, that's 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 what you need to get over the top. Is where is that little extra fringe? That one percent, that two percent, that's going to get you that next level and win you that cup. So, uh, Carter, man, the the chat's going live for you, Russ. They're they were hungry for a little Russ Morgan here. Russ <laughs> is staying on business. Trapper coming here, right? You are right, Russ. Trapper nine, Russell, 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 Kubiak, Sb, preach, Russell, preach,
0: hands just, in the air. I mean, it's, I just love that. Uh, I mean, it's a good team. It's a fun team to watch. It's like the the conversation of this is the best team we've seen. I mean, I, I was I was so pissed off that they lost uh, yesterday because I had all these stats I wanted to rattle off about how I think they had t- they would have tied like the franchise best points uh, for the first twenty games. Uh, like second most wins that they had 14. But I mean, either way, like statistically, this team is like, you watch, I watch Kings games. I watch Kings games and you watch the Kings play and it's just so smooth, so systemic. Everything's just flowing right. And like I mentioned, the game last night, going into the third period, you just knew that they would make a push. Like it wasn't even a surprise to me that they just outshot, like totally dominated that period. I think there was only 2 faceoffs in their own zone in the third period through for the whole, for the whole period. So it's, and then you watch other games and it's like, you see like the Maple Leafs and like, the like, I don't know. I'm just throwing out names and kind of dogging, but yeah, it's just, I think this is a good team and we should just be happy about it. And, and uh, obviously we are, but once we start nitpicking a little bit of talking about a little critical of players too much, I think we can wait on that uh until playoff time comes around. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I think, P.L. Dubois specifically, his contract will be dissected a lot more uh, once that playoff time comes around because he's definitely an upgrade over Kapari, and he's going to be expected to play like that.
1: Russell is 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 stacking up the nicknames here. He's getting close to Daenerys Targaryen, the first of her name, the Unburnt, the Queen of the Marine, the Queen of the Andels, and the Rar the First Men, the Khaleesi of the Great Sea, the Breaker of Chains, and Mother of Dragons. You are almost six nicknames back of of, of, uh, of being with there with the the Russell, the Prince of Corsi, and the Duke of Fenwick. I try, I try. Yeah. So let's get into this. Uh, last month, we did this here uh, at the seats at the round table. So this is our segment here for the month uh, where we give our player of the month essentially a seat at the round table um, because, uh, you know, King Arthur, the LA Kings, well, that's what we're doing here. Uh, last month, Byfield was mine. So I guess I'll start up because I went last last month so I'll go first this okay. month. And this and this month for me it's uh, Adrian Campaign. And that might be the easy one uh this month but uh in a game he played left shot D uh <laughs> huge hits. Uh he had plenty of goals. Uh I think he's on if anybody is any watching any sort of West Coast hockey, he should be in the Selkie conversation with his defensive play this season. And in and I and I understand that People want more of those one timers on the power play, but he's scoring goals. Like he's taking pucks away. He's still driving them out on the power play, and he's standing up for teammates. He's getting he's getting scruffy out there. He's you know John with people. I think that Kempe is becoming the player that I thought he was, or more of the player that I thought he was two years ago. And he's probably not even not only one of the best players on the Kings
0: roster, but one of the best players in the NHL. I love the mention of him for Selke. I didn't even thought about that. I mean, if Mitch Marner can be a nominee, then Kempe should be a nominee.
2: He grades out pretty well, and uh, Don Lashinsky of the Athletic just releases a uh, player cards, and uh, it's been a good start to the season for Adrian Kempe. That's a really good shout, Brandon. So who As wants? A, to who, I'll, put i put
1: who wants to go next for the given their player a seat at the roundtable.
2: I'll go next. I don't think this is going to be much of a surprise, given how big of a fan of of his that I am. He led the Kings in goals. Uh, for the month of November with six goals in 11 games. He led the, the team tied for six with Kopitar. Tied for the team lead in points with your Adrian Kempe with 11 points. 56% Corsi Ford, five on five. 55% expected goals. 60% scoring chances. 59% high danger chances. It's Trevor Moore. He just keeps doing it. He's off to a hell of a start to the, the t-shirt season. T-shirt man himself. Yep, it keeps going. I maybe I think it was Lieb throughout uh, sometime over the weekend that I wasn't bold enough. Had to go should should be looking at forty goals for Trevor Moore. I don't know, but he's buzzing. He's doing it in in all three situations. I, I love watching this kid play, and all you got to do is put him next to Pierre Luc Dubois, and you're going to see an explosion. I love it. I love it. Trying to hype up the t-shirts. I love it, Joe. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm going to go a little off off the. Rancher is that the word the expression? Either way. Off the beaten path. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go off the beaten path and I'm gonna go with Todd McClellan as my whoa. I think just let's let's list off some of these moves he's made. Switch Grunstrom and Kaliev. That's worked out. Grunstrom has a couple goals now playing with P.L. Dubois. He sat Alex LaFerrier for one game, much to kind of my displeasure, as much as I love Alex Fair. Alex has come back and looked like the player he was those first couple games he started in the NHL. And then the Phoenix Copley situation, when everybody was writing him off, he was answering questions about whether he was losing confidence in him. And he said, not a chance. He's played five to six periods for us. We're going to lose confidence in him. No. And look what he does. He comes back, plays Phoenix Copley. And I just love that whole um, aspect of them, like waiting to get Copley that game again in Arizona was almost like a get back for him. Like, Hey, that wasn't you. That wasn't your game. Let's get you back out there. And the team kind of rallied behind him. I mean, Tom McClellan, if he's not like the, uh, in the finalists for Jack Adams right now, which I know Jay Fresh kind of released those fan vote rankings. And it's like, he was fourth to, I think was talk it. Um, who's the coach in Boston and then, uh, the Rangers coach. Either way, if he's not in the finalists, then all hell is going to break loose with hockey royalty because we're going to start start a, a picket line outside Gary Bettman's house because that'd be a, a total disgrace. But I just love a lot of the moves that Tom McClellan has has, has made uh, these over these last few years and the, over these last this last month, and it's paid off. And I think he deserves a lot of the credit for this team's success because it's hard to get it's hard to get new players to come in and buy into a systemic type team or a game that this team plays. You don't get. You don't get players that come in and just do that right away. And he, for sure, for some reason, players just seem accustomed and, and, and acclimate really well to his style. So I love the job that he, the coach is doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's done a fantastic job. I'll say, like, the Jay Fresh, it was talk, Jim Montgomery and Peter Laviolette. I'll be honest, I don't know, like, that I have a huge issue with any of those three. I mean, Rick Tockett, look what Vancouver's done. Granted, you know. He's getting some saves and whatever, but so's, so's Todd McClellan. Did anybody think the Boston Bruins were going to still be this effing good? You lost Bergeron and Krejci. They're going with Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyles, are top two centers, the best team in the league again. That's insane. And, you know, the Rangers are off to a really good start too. So McClellan being in that with those three guys, I think that's that's fair. That's reasonable. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think when you look at what he's done, good God. I mean – I, I I think it's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, we have well, to give I, a shout-out. I, I love what Shankmaster said. you got to give a shout-out to Blake because that is just overall the, coming into the, this year. I mean, a lot of the question mark moves that he's made have seemed to pay off so far. And I guess Andreas Englund being one of them, I mean, that's just a diamond in the rough Fine. No. And a lot of no. that probably has to do with McClellan. Yes.
2: Thank you. So, like, we, <laughs> Todd, Todd, McCle- Todd, McCle- Todd McClellan turning – Vladislav Gavrikov into like one of the best defensemen on earth and Andreas Englund into usable NHL consistently usable NHL defenseman one of the best teams in the league. <laughs> That's enough for me to say this guy's Jack Adams. Hey,
0: and one thing I didn't even mention too is the penalty kill. I mean, that was the big question mark going into the off season and he took it upon himself to try to figure it out and fix it. And they're, they're what first, second in the league right now. It's been a crazy turnaround the the PK. Yeah. What I'm what I'm liking also
1: from T Mac this season, and I'm not saying that he hasn't done it a lot. He's been very honest with uh, you know the media and and his responses. But it seems like he holds players accountable when they need to be held accountable. He holds back players' names, but still holds them accountable when he doesn't want to throw them under the bus. Like, hey, we needed more from this this and this on the team but doesn't throw a player under the bus and then backs up a guy when the big guy needs to get backed up and no other player on the roster needed to get backed up more than Copley and and the fact that he just came out and said we have not lost faith in him he's gonna get another start the team is backing him like those are those are big statements from from a head coach and like hey like this is like what are you guys talking about? Like, we are not on the same page as the media. I get it. But, like, that from a, from a head coach, for me, drives drives numbers. I, I think it, it, it resonates with me like the head coach of the Raiders, the one that took over for, for McMichael or whatever his name is. He said, like, hey, like, all these practice squad guys bust their ass every single week, come in here day in, day out, and they're not on the sideline with the team. That stops now. They're part of the team. They're going to be here. They bust their ass every single week, and, that, and that's what I kind of feel like. T Mac does. Hey, all these guys work hard. Like Copley knows that his play isn't good enough. We're not abandoning him now. He's a part of the ship, and I, I really appreciate that kind of style of moxie and and leadership that T Mac has been exuding
0: this season. Well, you appreciate it. I mean, imagine being one of the players. <laughs> I mean. I can only imagine the confidence that gives a player like Copley or even like Jared Anderson Dolan. I mean, a player that is every practice first player on the ice, last player to leave every practice clock, like clockwork. And sure. He's not the the best player. He's a 13th forward at best in the NHL. Sure. There's better prospects that probably should be playing over him. Alex Turkot being one of them. Same if maybe, but it's a player that works hard. Todd McClellan sees it and he gives him a chance. And sure enough, He's winning games with the, the players that he's given. So I think you just had he deserves a lot of kudos for, for uh how well the team's been been playing. I agree.
1: I agree. Well, man, what an episode we had. I know that uh, Russ came in, but you know, he closed us out. He closed us out here. Yeah,
0: I think the technology kind of got me a little riled up there at the end.
1: <laughs> got the got the save. Hey, you you came on the bump. You know, you had your you had your walk-up music coming in, you're doing you know, you're doing this to the mound, you got on the bump. Got three straight outs. Not messing around. Appreciate coming in and closing this podcast. Everybody else, follow us, please. At hockey underscore royalty at random of twenty four NHL Russell at J W Paterino. for all your rain news at Kobitar four H O F. If you want to gamble a little bit, DraftKings code it's T H P N. They're matching your first deposit. Get in there, and make some money or try to make some money at least. If you guys want your T shirt here, let me throw up here this code here if you're watching. Uh, but we're si- 30 bucks sizes small through extra large all orders should go through contact at hockey royalty.com once russell gives you the go-ahead that those shirts are available venmo is at hockey royalty is where we're taking the money please we we put a lot of uh heart and soul into these t-shirts i hope you guys like them uh mine are being sent this way and i'll be wearing them as soon as they get here appreciate we'll everybody in chat more,
0: we'll tweet out more details and stuff on them and have them on the site and everything too
1: yeah appreciate you guys in the chat all oh, you guys
0: are rocking. Don't forget to like before you guys
1: pop out of here and enjoy the rest of your night. Please subscribe. Tell your mom, tell your grandma, tell your girlfriend. Just, hey, get on their phone and uh, click subscribe without them knowing. Because we appreciate everything you guys do. Over 800 subs. We went from 700. Our goal was a 1,000 to 800 in one week. I think that had kind of to do with your, uh, your tickets that you gave away. Hopefully, we have more giveaways going forward this season. Kings are on our road trip coming up. We're gonna have everything, all the the ins and outs coming out that. Hopefully we get some points uh because the kings are rolling and the return of the kings is no fluke. So thank you and go, Kings Go.